Mr. Speaker. You're at the intersection of business and politics. This is the 14th and G podcast from Melman Castagnetti, Rosen and Thomas. Now, here's our host, Dean Hinkson. Thank you for setting your podcast out at 14th and G. I am your host, Dean Hinkson. And down the stretch they come as we roll into September's third week. It is the home stretch for the 2022 midterms. Congressmen and senators are already itching to get the heck out of Dodge and hit the campaign trail, if not for themselves, for their colleagues. But a few minor agenda items are left undone, like funding the government before they can adjourn. The Democrats had one hell of a summer. But was it enough for voters to put aside their misgivings and let Democrats maintain unified control of the House and Senate on Capitol Hill? I know what I think, but I want to hear from my besties, Republican Bruce Melman and Democrat David Thomas. We're going to break down 2022 in 22 minutes. Bruce, David, welcome to 14th and G. Thanks, Dean. Thank you, Dean. And I'm just thrilled that you just described uh, me as one of your besties. That's a uh, that is a huge compliment. You are one of my besties. Well, let's 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 eat our vegetables uh, before we get to dessert, uh, much like our friends on Capitol Hill. A few agenda items left here. Uh, David, uh, Democrats, uh, Democrats run the show up there on the Hill. We've got to fund the government. There's a national defense bill out there left undone. That has to get done every year. There's also bill on marriage equality. There are efforts on privacy, antitrust. What do you think is going to get done here in the last two weeks of September? And, and what's going to get punted into the lame duck? So I think that what gets done is the only thing that has to get done, and that is uh, the funding of the government. We've got two weeks that the House is going to be in, a little bit longer in the Senate, but that is the that's the big thing that's out there. How do we keep the government open? Uh, there won't be an omnibus bill sort of funding the government for the rest of the fiscal year. There will be a uh, another con- uh, continuing resolution, which the date most often mentioned is going to December 16th. So that would fund the uh, government through the midterms and give them some space in between Thanksgiving and Christmas to, to wrap up spending. Uh, there's some questions about that. What could be added? It's not just a uh, a clean CR. There are things that are being discussed like additional COVID money, monkeypox money, Ukraine money that the administration has asked for. And then, of course, the uh, permitting reform that Senator Manchin is pushing for in part of the deal. That needs to get worked out this week. And so I think we will see uh, over the next couple of days here uh, some uh, very serious discussions going on between the Senate Majority Leader and Senator Manchin and, of course, Speaker Pelosi to uh, wrap that up. Beyond that, I think everything else is going to get kicked to uh, the, the lame duck period here. NDAA is definitely uh, on that list there. Uh, things like tax extenders, which are, are critical to a, a number of industries, uh, will get to the uh, um, lame duck as well. Uh, and then, yeah, then the other questions are marriage equality that was supposed to come up in this work period here. It's looking like there are not 60 votes in the Senate. There are 50 uh, Democrats, but uh, not quite 10 Republicans yet. So that's going to get punted. Uh, things like privacy, antitrust, uh, likely to get punted as well. Uh, and then also uh, talked about in the House, things like the Stock Act or the Electoral Count Act uh, will are possible uh, before now and the end of the year. So really, it's just the CR and then, of course, nominations in the Senate. Uh, that's pretty much all we know for the next uh, couple of weeks. Well, Bruce, how about it? I mean, in addition to uh, in addition to marriage equality, that's going to get punted. There are there are not yet 10 uh, Republican yeses, but there are not uh, 41 committed 
uh, knows. So that still has a possibility. And then privacy, uh, it seems to have hit its high watermark in the Energy and Commerce Committee over in the House. Uh, Senator Klobuchar has applied the paddles to her antitrust bill so many times. I think she's about burned a hole in the patient's chest. I, I don't know if there's much much chance of breathing life into that. <laughs> oh, those kind of paddles. Yes. Um, <laughs> DT, look, DT was exhaustive and hit everything I could almost think of there. I actually think Respect for Marriage Act will pass the Senate after the election, uh, which, uh, frankly, I give them a lot of credit. You know, this reminded me a little bit. Uh, if you go back af- after the um, Parkland shootings, um, where there was competing efforts on gun control. And ultimately, it became clear that uh, certainly the Democrats, I would argue, had decided they weren't going to cut a deal they thought was less than adequate. And so both sides ended up saying they'll take an issue instead of a deal. This time with the guns, to the credit of both the Democrats and the Republicans, they said, let's figure out the most we can do together, even if it's less than the Dems want, and maybe more than the Republicans might have wanted. And likewise, I think Respect for Marriage Act, by punting it instead of jamming the House thing that can't get done in the Senate into the Senate, um, or at least you know setting up a vote that fails in the Senate, reflects to me they want to get an accomplishment not something for the election. And I praise them for that. The the only thing DT didn't mention in his wonderfully long list were non-legislative, but legislation adjacent reports. So I think the January 6th committee is likely to issue a report before the election. And I think I know the Republican China task force and other Republican entity, other Republican, you know, non-legislative, but made up of legislator task forces uh, we'll be putting out their uh, modernized version of contract with America, but you know the 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 agenda that unifies Republicans. Well, uh, you know, you make a good point. I mean, everything here now is uh, is 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 seen through the prism of of how it impacts uh, the midterm elections coming up here in November. So let's let's take a look because there's there's a lot going on, and uh, you know, on the one side there is what Democrats have been dealing with and particularly the president's been dealing with all year and that is uh, that is inflation and the economic picture i will say i I think democrats had probably the best summer uh they could have had is is it enough to uh, to achieve uh liftoff here uh the let's start with the senate the republican job here is pretty straightforward they have got to hold seats in pennsylvania north carolina and ohio all three of those are retiring Republican senators, uh, as well as Wisconsin, where Senator Ron Johnson uh, is in a tight reelection battle there. Uh, And then they've got to flip one of, I see the four most likely flips uh, as Georgia, Arizona, Nevada, and Colorado. They've got to hold four and flip one of four uh, to take control of the chamber that is right now equally divided uh, at 50-50. So Bruce, I normally start with DT because he's been on defense all year, but maybe Republicans are on defense at this point because, uh, you know, the Inflation Reduction Act, uh, they got the deal with Senator Manchin, and uh, it, it sure looks like President Biden and uh, Schumer see uh, see themselves with a head of steam going into November. Yeah, so I think it's going to be a tale of two elections where what happens with the House and how we diagnose it is different than what happens with the Senate and how we diagnose that. At least that's what it looks like right now. Um, what I think ultimately the effect of the Inflation Reduction Act, which is ironically named, uh, particularly as even CNN pointed out, as we had uh, more bad inflation numbers as they celebrated the Inflation Reduction Act, which really isn't about reducing inflation, but 
but is uh, did go after the deficit to its credit. I, I think what's going on is that rallied the Democratic base. So I think where you see this reflected was the enthusiasm gap that Democrats had been suffering, which was consistent with midterm shellackings, was more or less erased. And I think there's two pieces to that. First, the rallying effect from Dobbs, which we'll get into here, I bet, in a second, but also seeing that the legislation's not stuck, uh, that ultimately Schumer and Manchin and Sanders can all vote yes on the same uh, pieces of legislation and make things happen. That gave the Dems enough confidence. That's what you're seeing reflected in the president's approval going up. It's the Dems coming home. And that's what you're seeing in uh, the enthusiasm gap getting erased. And that's going to make a big difference in those tight as a tick Senate states um, that were uh, that were uh, that are in play where the Dems, to their credit, have outraised Republicans and are maintaining small uh, but steady polling leads. Yeah, David, how about it? I mean, uh, just ticking down the, the the real clear politics polling averages uh, in some of these battlegrounds. Uh, Laxalt leads uh, with like one point in Nevada. Uh, Kelly, uh, the Democrat, has a three-point lead in Arizona. Georgia's fought to a tie. The Republican Ted Budd uh, has a very small lead. In North Carolina, Fetterman leads in Pennsylvania. Vance uh, has a very small lead in Ohio and Wisconsin, uh, where Senator Johnson is up against uh, Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes uh, for his reelection. That's that's super tight as well. So you guys have had I again, I say you had a you had a great summer of accomplishment. But uh, these all of these Senate races just remain super tight. Is Dobbs uh, looking looking past the sort of the economic picture here are some of these external events uh the the abortion decision in Dobbs the migrant busing by uh the governors in Texas and and Florida are, are these enough to to rally the base uh, and bring it home for Democrats uh boy it sure feels like it to me uh Dean uh, the and I think you you really can't underestimate the the change in the landscape that happened as a result of the Supreme Court's decision earlier this year uh, on Roe v. Wade uh, that has uh, motivated Democrats and I think Bruce you're correct sort of erase the enthusiasm gap here. Every member I've talked to since they've been back in August, uh, whether they come from a conservative uh, leaning district or whether they are in a deep deep blue district, all of them say uh, that the grassroots in their districts. Uh, have been on fire uh, since that decision. So I think that uh, on its own has really changed the, the landscape for Dems. I, I think back to the last time the Dems lost the House and the Senate, which was 2010. And coming out of the August recess, people knew things didn't look good. That was the rise of the Tea Party movement, the very angry town hall meetings. You saw members coming back looking a little shell-shocked. This time, uh, they feel really good about where they are. And, and part of that is because of the, the uh, motivated base uh, coming home. Part of it is that they have good issues they, uh, that they can go home and talk about. This Congress has gotten an extraordinary amount of work done. The Infrastructure Bill, the Inflation Reduction Act, the Recovery Act, the PACT Act, the gun safety bill that, that Bruce talked about earlier, uh, all of those are, are uh, issues that Democrats uh, promised they would address, and they did. So they like that. And then the only thing Bruce didn't mention, uh, neglected here, is that the, the Republicans have managed to, once again, nominate some really bad candidates. Uh, and you don't need to take my word for it. Take the word of the Senate Minority Leader, Mitch McConnell. He himself said that there were recruitment issues with people like uh, Blake Masters, 
Dr. Oz, J.D. Vance, Herschel Walker. These are four candidates who've never run for office before. And I think they're showing their uh, the fact that they are rookies in, in running statewide campaigns. There is no reason, you know, Ohio is a pretty red state these days. And Tim Ryan is doing a hell of a job uh, taking on J.D. Vance. Uh, J.D. Vance seems to think that he doesn't need to raise any money to run a campaign or have any message. He just wants to send the check out to Silicon Valley and hope Peter Thiel pick it up. Uh, seems like Blake Masters is doing the same thing. Uh, look, um, I think it is going to be tight at the end, but the fact that Democrats feel like good about this, that they're uh, being aggressive, and I can't remember a time where we had this many Senate races in play with less than six weeks before the election. So it's a really exciting time. Well, Bruce, how about that? Uh, you know, a couple of things, a uh, couple of things going on here, and and one of the more one of the more prominent uh, sort of headline grabbing, uh, you call it a political stunt. Democrats are calling it tragedy. Uh, when these busloads of uh, migrants uh, being shipped up from the southern border are landing on the doorstep of the vice president, landing uh, in the uh, in the sacred territory of Martha's Vineyard, which uh, which issued all but a shelter in place announcement. When these buses showed up. Uh, it's a little bit of political theater. Does it does it highlights some issues, though, that, that may motivate the Republican base? Well, it's a lot of Republic. It's a lot of, uh, of political theater. I don't think that this is like abortion, though. I don't think your average um, non hyper partisan is going to get uh, more motivated or less motivated. You know, I know that some folks talk about, you know, flying people against their will, except these are folks who who I believe are supposed to be detained. You know, in the Obama administration, they were detained in what in facilities that subsequently were called cages when the same facilities were, were overseen by the Trump administration. You know, the Biden administration has been uh, moving refugees by bus and by plane and other uh, means uh, while awaiting determination system has been moving them to locations that have more space for them. And, you know, certainly if you're a border state, you bear a much heavier load. To me, with this, the, my biggest thought taking away on, on all of this, it just reminds me that uh, that if uh, if folks purport to care about poor people housing, uh, there'd be more housing available on Martha's Vineyard. And it's classic uh, NIMBY up there. Uh, where uh, where a lot of the folks who do the service for the vacationers and the expensive homeowners can barely afford to live up there, uh, and they surely don't have uh, any uh, resources for refugees. Well, I'm sure glad to hear my Republican colleagues speaking up for uh, affordable housing issues and uh, treating immigrants uh, humanely here. Uh, that is absolutely not the point that DeSantis was trying to make here and, and the government Abbott in Texas is trying to make here. I think it is, I, I struggle to find the words of how horrible this is uh, to see little children, whether it's in uh, Martha's Vineyard or outside the vice president's residence here, it's it's not uh, it, it's not partly political theater, Dean. It is a hundred percent political theater. It also doesn't have anything to do with the midterms. This has everything to do with those two guys basically trying to uh, come up with stunts in the event that uh, Donald Trump doesn't run for president. And so it's just it shows to me the um, the really the lack of moral grounding in some of today's Republican leaders uh, that this stunt wouldn't be condemned by everybody. Are there problems at the border? Hell yeah, there are. I uh, 
really regret that the Republican Party has gotten away from Bruce, your old boss, George W. Bush, who uh, understood that there was a problem that should be addressed and who believed that immigrants were good for our country. There are a lot of uh, members who would love to uh, try to address this issue, pass immigration reform that made uh, sense for both border communities and the rest of the country. This stunt this week, I just find it so disheartening. And uh, and really, again, I struggle to, to really come up with the words. And this is a family broadcast, so I will uh, just leave it there. <laughs> well, I mean, you're never going to go broke uh, in American politics, sort of uh, skewering the power of the of the sophisticated class and Although you may you know, go broke, you may go broke if you're a Florida taxpayer, because apparently Governor DeSantis <laughs> spent six hundred thousand dollars shipping uh, 50 Venezuelans up to uh, Massachusetts here. If I was a Florida taxpayer, uh, I'd be wondering what's going on with that. That seems like a uh, misuse of funds. I believe uh, he got Disney to pay for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, you're it's it's one thing for these places far removed from the southern border to declare themselves sanctuary cities and sanctuary states. But when the uh, this uh, this when people seek sanctuary, when people seek sanctuary, it's uh, it's shelter in place until they're until they're shipped out. So well, my guess, my guess is also is that, uh, you know, seeking sanctuary when uh, they're, you know, these, these poor people are lied to put on a plane. They don't know where they're going. They show up. And I would also argue with the shelter in place uh, designation, Dean, that you gave earlier for the residents of Martha's Vineyard. Uh, in in reading what they did is they opened up the local church here to find a place for these folks to stay in the short term and then find more permanent housing so they can get resettled here. It is a it is a tiny island that doesn't have the support services, but they do uh, on the mainland. And so that's what they've done here. Again, it's just this is such a horrible stunt here. I just I can't get over that they're. Uh, that we find ourselves uh, uh, in a political situation these days where things like this happen and it's not condemned by everybody. Ample space in the Kennedy compound for all 50 uh, of the uh, of the migrants that showed up in Martha's Vineyard. But let's move on. Uh, we talked a little bit about the Senate. The House seems to be more of a foregone conclusion. Democrats have about a five seat majority there. It's it's not too many uh, too many seats the Republicans need to flip. Uh, if uh, you know the the question is is what the margin is going to be uh, at the end of the day, and Bruce, the smaller the margin, I it it'll it's tough to see Kevin McCarthy as Speaker uh, being able to operate a very very slim majority the way uh, Speaker Pelosi has has kept her troops in line. Uh, his are a little more prone to rebelling. <laughs> that's, a, that's a polite way of saying uh, regularly shoot at their own leader, which uh, which former Speaker Boehner and former Speaker Ryan can tell you a lot about. Without a doubt, uh, it sure looks like the Republicans will pick up the House. History's on their side. The national mood's on their side. You know, the huge gain in Biden approval has him, according to Real Clear, up to 42. Um, you got to be north of 60 to not lose seats in the House, and that ain't going to happen. Um, inflation continues to rear its head, and, and a lot of folks are the consumer confidence, though, up from the lowest reading they ever had in the history of Mich University of Michigan running it in June. It's not uh, happy days are here again. For all of those reasons, um, the uh, super tiny majority will get swamped. The Democrats will lose the House, but you're right. Right now, the the particularly the abortion Dobbs uh, issue headwinds uh, or tailwinds for the Democrats uh, suggest that the the uh, gains for the R's will be a lot smaller than we all thought they would have been maybe at the end of June. And as a result, Kevin McCarthy as speaker will have 
maybe even an, a single digit majority. And his MAGA wing, which used to be the Freedom Caucus wing, which used to be the Tea Party wing, is uh, is going to be very hard to rule, both because, uh, you know, Speaker Pelosi had decades as the Democrats leader where she developed uh, un unparalleled uh, trust and and uh, and support and folks and deference. And uh, Kevin uh, McCarthy has not yet had an opportunity to be the speaker, but also the Dems who would be troublesome for the leadership um, complain that the government's not doing more. They're very progressive. They're in a hurry to double, triple uh, the activity by the federal government. The Republicans who make it hard to be a Republican speaker want the government to do less. They're much more nihilistic. And so as a result, they're happy to not support anything and allow nothing to get accomplished uh, because it fits a little bit more where they're coming from. Whereas with Speaker Pelosi, it was her difficult, but she proved successful job to go to the very progressive folks and say, we're going to take a first down, even though you want me to throw for a touchdown and we're going to keep the ball and keep moving forward. Yeah, Bruce, I, I think that's a, a fair assessment here. I, I will say the one thing, again, this sort of relates back to our earlier discussion on the Senate here, and, and it's analogous in the House. It is incredibly tall order to uh, keep the House with these margins the way they are. Um, the silver linings that the Dems have seen over the August recess have been in these special elections, which I know uh, one special election does not determine the outcome of the House. But the Dems have won the uh, two recent special elections that they were expected to lose. One in upstate New York, it was uh, Antonio Delgado's seat, who's now the Lieutenant Governor of New York. That is a, uh, a very, very middle of the road seat here, which Dems uh, were able to hold. Uh, more impressively is winning the Alaska seat, the seat that was held for 50 plus years by Don Young, uh, is now uh, going to be in Democratic hands. Uh, so look, it's little things like this that have really given Dems the uh, the realizing that they do have a chance here, that if they uh, go out and they fight and they stay on message and do what they do, they could have a better night than a lot of people are expecting. Guys, that, that covers it here. 22 minutes uh, for 2022. A lot more uh, to come here as we as we get into the uh, end of the home stretch of the midterm elections. Uh, and we will be back uh, to see where things stand. Bruce Melman. David Thomas, thank you for joining me on 14th and G. Thank you both. Cheerio. <laughs> nice. Thanks for listening to today's podcast, brought to you by the lobbying firm of Melman, Castagnetti, Rosen, and Thomas. For more, just type 14th and G podcast into your favorite search engine or look for 14th and G wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe. Beam me up, Mr. Speaker.